Welcome to Conversations in Equine Science. My name is Kate Acton and I'm joined by Nancy McLean and this is the podcast where we take equine research and try and make it accessible to horse owners and enthusiasts alike. Remember that with each topic we discuss it's important to get professional advice before implementing any of the strategies. This week, Nancy and I are discussing a paper that's titled Evaluation of the Effects of Chiropractic on Static and Dynamic Muscle Variables in Sport Horses. And this is by E. Acute et al. This is essentially a part one to um, an area that we're looking into for a listener. So a listener, Michaela, has requested us to look into static versus dynamic um, muscle manipulation in horses, particularly focusing on stretching horses. So seeing um, where the evidence lies for doing static movements versus dynamic movements. And this is a prelude, so that research is to come next week. But this week we were just going to discuss this paper we came across while in the search for some stretching papers. And it's focusing on that chiropractic effect on static and dynamic muscle variables. So the objective of this controlled experimental study was to assess the effect of chiropractics on static bioimpedance and dynamic acoustic myography of paired muscle groups in healthy sport horses. So that bioimpedance, BI, measures the passage of current through a muscle and then will give us information relating to how well that muscle can contract. Then the other word I used was acoustic myography, so that's AMG. And AMG records and analyzes low frequency sounds created during muscular activity. So these were two methods they used to see, to be able to quantify if there was a change in those muscles. So in this, Um, group of horses I think they had six horses and they took this data or they carried out this analysis at 24 48 and 72 hours after the horses underwent chiropractic treatment signs of gait asymmetry were detected objectively in all the horses throughout the course of the study and they said BI scores for the left trapezius muscle were significantly altered at 24 and 72 hours after chiropractic manipulation. And then the AMG, so the balance score for that at walk was significantly affected, as was the efficiency at trot. So this was a small pilot study, and it reveals some objective measurements of muscle function are actually altered following chiropractic manipulation and it can last up to 72 hours after treatment. So an interesting topic and they point out in the paper that there's not a lot of research out there looking into the effects of manual therapies on equine muscle tissue. There only seems to be a handful of reported studies at the time that this was published, so that's 2018. Um, But it definitely rings through because in the search for papers on dynamic versus um, static stretching, 
the pool was very limited in what we could find. Yeah, and and I may reach out to Jillian um, Tabor to see if she knows of any because she's uh, a very popular physio that um, is a guest on a lot of podcasts. But I think she's an instructor at Hartbury University, and um, you know if I can't find any, and I'll definitely. Um, keep looking and see what we can come up with for another episode. But this is really encouraging because they even um, referred to a paper that substantiated the myofascial release um, having an effect for 72 hours plus. And they measured that through the, um, oh, the, bioimpedance and what it came up to be that um, the number was inverted because they were actually measuring relaxation. So um, they were thinking that um, that's how they could um, measure the, that uh, myofascial release. Really, really interesting um, to use these mechanisms to try and measure what the muscle is actually going through. So they took uh, six of these client-owned trained show jumping sport horses. So they had one mare, five geldings. I believe it was a Dutch warm blood, a Belgian warm blood, an Irish sport horse, a thoroughbred, and a Hanoverian, and then one warm blood warm blood thoroughbred cross. So very small sample size. So you would probably want a larger study. So because in this paper, wasn't it the left side that kept getting the gluteus uh, median that kept getting the stronger impedance, Kate? So they thought, well, they were thinking about handedness in horses, but they needed a larger sample yeah. to see maybe all six of these were, you know, stronger on that left side. So um, they couldn't make any conclusions about that, but it would be great to have a large sample size to see what changes you could track after treatment. And I think it'd be uh, any treatment, not just chiropractic, it could be the stretching dynamic or static or um, the myofascial release. It can be so many of these um, therapeutic options that, my God, the researchers hardly anything being done. Yeah. And I think it was the left trapezius as well on that side that they saw impedance on. So the left side holding more contraction but they also pointed out which was really interesting was you know the muscle that's worked on can release and can relax which is the um the goal that we're aiming for but subsequent muscles can actually end up contracting which they didn't realize that so they found that in this study as well that the um nearby muscles can seem to contract or try and compensate. And that's something that needs to be looked into in a little bit more detail, again, in a larger study. But it just highlights a more complex interaction of muscle groups. So basically leading to that one 
that could be more contracted in a state post chiropractic manipulation. But it was a really interesting study as well that they did say that the horses didn't have any lameness ahead of beginning the study, but they did have asymmetry. So in their gait, they weren't entirely lined up. And it's something, though, that we see in human athletes too, like or even in ourselves. You'll notice we always are going to have a side that's a little bit stronger than the other or more favored than the other. And that's something that can highlight to us where we need to do a little bit extra work with our horses. We need to try and build up one side a little bit more. Make sure you're doing an equal amount of training on both reins, you know, not just favoring the left as we've mentioned, because they saw that discrepancy in the left side of the horse. I really felt like the diagram that uh, depicted the sites of pressure application, and it was called a DAPE, and that's a Diagnostic Acupuncture Palpation Examination. They got a wonderful diagram where they honed in um, and where you would apply pressure. And um, then they actually graded the responses. So they used muscle fasciculations. So uh, if there was, say you had pressure in the uh, pelvic area above the hip, well, a grade one was it would fasciculate inconsistently. And those fasciculations are like a horse when there's a fly that lands on them. And sometimes you'll put pressure on a point and and you'll get like a, a riveting fasciculation that as you apply that pressure slowly, the horse Um, will not have that response as that muscle releases. And then a grade two was a mild response. Three was moderate. And then four was severe. And um, I just thought that diagram is almost um, what you would need to do and start slowly and just run your hands very lightly down the lines and at certain parts, when you see a change in the horse's facial, you apply a little pressure. And then you see the fasciculation sometimes. You'll even see them maybe start to lick and chew. There are different observations that can mean um, they are releasing that tension in that muscle. So that diagram is really well done, along with the grading system. So um, also in this paper, I was so pleased to see they used the lameness locator, which is now called Equinosis Q. And um, that can pick up asymmetry in horses that your human eye can't really pick up the asymmetry. So I went to a clinic just a few weeks ago on that, and it was surprising how Um, if a horse is on a straight line, sometimes you can pick up that asymmetry with your eye. But if a horse is being lunged on a circle, you can't. But lameness locator equinosis cue can pick that up. And it's a sensor at the pole and then on the center of the sacroiliac joint and then a gyroscope on the front right um, pastern. And um, in this study, they put a wrap on the left pastern so the horse would not be 
kind of um, off. He had wraps on both front ankles or pasterns. So it was kind of neat the way they thought to do that. And um, anyway, the lameness locator did pick up the asymmetry, which uh, I'm with Kate. I think every horse has a little asymmetry. But it's great that we can actually measure that using the locator. Whereas yeah. before, like visuals are so hard because we've mentioned this before. Like some people are just really excellently attuned to picking up the most subtle of lamenesses and often and I can't actually remember off the top of my head who it was the researcher will come back to me but it was one of my favorite lines that came up in a paper that we did where it's the people that are every day with the animals that have such great insight and are so valuable but they're not necessarily scientific or researchers temperance was it that had said that that was um, Temple Grandin. Temple Grandin, that's it. Such such a great point and always, I think, rings true. Like you're, you're going to spot those things when you're with your horse all the time and those subtleties. But you know yourself, all of us have friends who aren't equine inclined. And when they see horses, they don't even necessarily pick up the fact that the horse has its ears back or you know, it's wrinkling its nose. It's saying, do not come near me. Don't touch me. And they're just like, oh, it's such a lovely horse. And they're moving towards it. So the signs that become very obvious to us because we're looking at them all the time can be completely missed by people who are in their early stages of their equine careers or hobbies or are novices um, or people that just don't have any background in equine. And when we include things like these, um, lameness locators is just such a brilliant way to quantify and be able to pick up even on a subtle lameness like the fact that we now have an instrument that can do that is just it's brilliant a brilliant step forward yeah and um the the data that was recorded in this uh, research was in a straight line at the walk and trot and then they did it um after chiropractic adjustments too and then they did different surfaces so two were sandy arenas um that type of footing and then um they had uh before adjustment after adjustment 24 hours 48 hours and then 72 hours and then um, they only had one horse that the data was not collected at 72 hours so I think it's just so um, enlightening that for those of us who may have said how can chiropractic medicine work on horses? Well, here you go. Uh, what we can measure, we can manage. And um, they're finding out that there are at least up to 72 hours um, improvements or changes that are taking place. So that that's kind of neat. That's where research really makes a difference. And just a note on the different surfaces they used. They do point that out in their limitations that not all horses use the same surface yeah. when tested. So that is limiting. But they did also point out um, each horse was repeatedly assessed on the same surface. So it's not like, you know, horse A was on gravel, then on sand. They kept horse A on sand. And they also used the surface that would have been its usual training surface. 
So the horse was more likely to move in a familiar and normal way in that environment, which I thought was a really interesting addition to their um, research planning, that they would use what was normal to the horse so that the horse was moving in their most everyday way to try and pick up on those subtleties. Yeah, I I wish they would have put the difference between the two sandy arenas. Yeah. Oh, I mean, because you can have deep, you can have um, a very thin substrate. So, uh, but anyway, it's, I, I agree. I think it's pretty good that they put the horse on the surface that they're accustomed to. Yeah. I think it was a really interesting paper. And as Nancy and I have said, you know, we're going to look a little further into the stretching because it's really piqued our interest. We had a quick chat before we started the recording and we were just talking about, you know, what we know of in humans and often um, we have to kind of look there when we're going to look at research moving forward, see what we're doing in people or vice versa, what we're doing in animals and does it work in people? It's a very one health approach. But just from our own brief knowledge of stretching, it's kind of, it's raised a lot of questions so it would be absolutely great if we could um, get that feedback Nancy's going to look into and we'll see what papers we can pull up. And it's a, a really interesting area. So thank you again, Michaela, for suggesting that and listen in next week because we are hopefully going to have some answers for everyone. Yeah. And this was great. I love this paper that, um, you know, it showed uh possible improvements for other horses as well and how to measure that so um thanks kate for picking this one out too i'm looking forward to trying to find the stretching research brilliant thanks so much nancy and we'll talk to everyone next week take care thanks kate bye-bye